And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Well, we made it to the final week. Made it to the final week. Has this been a good series? Has it been uh, helpful for for you as we've talked about the Holy Spirit? Good. I know it's been helpful for me to dig back in in and... um, get into scripture related to this area again. Want to make you aware of a couple announcements uh, before we jump into today's message. I want to remind you that today is Pastor John, our Next Gen Pastor's um, official last Sunday on staff. They're going to be hanging around here for a while. Um, they, he's been kind of sensing that the Lord has uh, something new for them, and that is outside of full-time ministry. And so he shared with me recently that he felt like the Lord was leading him either in the direction of, of being a personal trainer, which if you've seen John, he's pretty big and buff. Um, that's what his degree was in in college, um, or also maybe even a Bible teacher. And so um, would encourage you today, he's back, uh, his family's back in the kids area uh, serving. They are going to be around until whenever that transition happens. So you're going to see them uh, every week here, and they're going to be in here in the service worshiping. They're going to be serving. They want to continue to serve uh, back in the kids' area. So they're going to be around, uh, but make sure you um, you drop by, you say hello, give them, give them a good hug around the neck. Uh, I'd encourage you to give them a Pentecostal handshake. Uh, if you've been around church for any length of time, uh, Pentecostal handshake has something green in it, right? You shake hands, and uh, it's got got a little, little trade-off, little little gift that's left behind, but uh, just love on them a little bit. Uh, we, we love them. We love Dash and Haley and Miley and Brinley. They're just such a sweet, sweet family and um, would ask you to be praying for us. Obviously, that means that we are uh, now in a season of just praying and asking the Lord what he has for us, for our kids and our youth ministry. Uh, we know as our church has been for a long time, a church that is is all about investing in the next generation. And so uh, we're eagerly awaiting what God has for us in this next season. So uh, please keep us in prayer for that. And then I would just echo what Andrea uh, had mentioned about next Sunday. Um, This is the way that I'm going to put it. If you miss next Sunday, you're going to regret it. So, uh, you know, do what you can to be here. Yes, you can watch online, but it'll be different, different experience online, but would definitely encourage you to be here uh, next Sunday. It's going to be an amazing day. Well, grab your Bible and, uh, or your smartphone. We're going to uh, hop over to Acts chapter 19 uh, this morning. And uh, as we're doing that, uh, we also always want to, as we step into uh, opening God's word and getting into our time studying his word today, we want to ask the Lord to prepare our hearts. So if you're new around here, we say this out loud corporately as a congregation. Don't feel like you have to participate if you don't want to. But church family, would you say it with me? Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. So Acts, Acts was written by a disciple that you've probably heard of before. His name was was Luke. And And what's interesting about the book of Acts is the book of Acts kind of comes right on the heels of the gospel of Luke. And so as you read through the gospel of Luke, if you pick right up in Acts, it's almost like nothing's left off. It just, it's this kind of continuation. And what what I find interesting about uh, the book of Acts is it chronicles uh, really the history of 
of the first church. We get a snapshot of what that first body of believers was really like. And, and what I find fascinating about, about this first church, this early church, is that in only three decades, this group of, of, of frightened believers in Jerusalem ended up creating this transformational movement of people who had dedicated their lives to reaching lost people in all around the world, the world as they know it, but all around the world. And as we read in, in Acts chapter 19 today, we're going to read a couple verses in that. I want you to keep in mind that this is 24 years after the day of Pentecost, okay? This is 24 years after the day of Pentecost. And even though it's 24 years, we see this group of believers advancing the gospel. Now, when we hear advancing the gospel, it probably communicates something a little different than in their context. I want you to keep in mind in their context when they're advancing the gospel that some of them are being beheaded. Some of them are being burned alive. Some of them are being put in the middle of a coliseum and, 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 and lions are ripping them apart for show. Like for them, when it comes to advancing the gospel, to them, um, their life kind of depended on it in a sense. And, um, and even this week, I had just kind of a moment as I was just praying and preparing today, a moment of, of just me asking the Father to, to forgive me. That, man, how far have we drifted as followers of Christ? That in those days, what Jesus had done and how he had transformed people's lives they were so passionate and so committed about it that they were willing to give up their life for it. And here we are, however many years later, and we pull back on advancing the gospel because we've got a busy work week or because it's raining outside. And how, oh Father, like how far have we drifted from what it was originally like in the first church of what it meant to be a follower of Christ and what it means for us today. And I think what we're going to see in this, in our time together today, as we're going to see, um, we're going to see a very similar disconnect between them in those days and us in our days. And so I want us to look in Acts chapter 19, and I want us to look at verse uh, one through two, and this is Paul's uh, third missionary journey. So he has he is going out again. You're kind of keeping in mind that, that in those days, they didn't understand the, per, the full um, weight of uh, what around the world really meant. But for them, they were going to places that they had never gone before, that they were taking um, the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel message, and they were sharing it all around their known world. And so we pick up in Acts chapter 19, and we look in verse 1, and it says that, that Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast. And look what it says here, that where he found several believers. So Paul kind of stumbles across some people that, that uh, are followers of Christ, that have made a decision to accept Christ. And Paul has the same question for them that I want to pose to you today. The question is in verse 2. 
Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I think about that like if, to me, if the Holy Spirit was that important that Paul would make a designation of, yes, you may be a believer, a follower of Christ, but have you received the Holy Spirit yet? And we see their response in the next part of the verse. No. (laughs) No, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting how similar, that's just 24 years after the upper room experience that that they're finding followers of Christ that are, are trying to live this life absent of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And honestly, I don't think a whole lot has changed through the years that even in our society today, right? Like it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty fine, it's okay for like most people are okay with God. Most people are okay with Jesus, but not so okay with the Holy Spirit. It was interesting this week that I came across this, this article from uh, 2021, and the article addressed um, the reality that almost two-thirds of, of people in America that, that classify themselves as Christians, almost two-thirds of them um, said this, they contend that the Holy Spirit is not a real living being, but is merely a symbol of God's power. So we see, and even in America today, we see this disconnect like they had in those days, this disconnect where we are, we are accepting uh, God, we are accepting Jesus, we are accepting him into our heart, but there is an absence of Holy Spirit power that is operating within our lives and our churches today. And so the goal of this series has really been... um, has really been to help us recognize and understand that the Holy Spirit is way more than just a symbol of God. Amen? And so I've asked you from the very beginning, I've asked for a blank page. And I want to thank you because I know that there's many that you've got a lot of history and experience with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and with um, uh, the spiritual gifts and, and all of that stuff. And you have given me a blank page. And my promise has been is that we're not going to get crazy and weird, that we're going to dig into God's word and we're going to look at what the scripture says about the Holy Spirit, about the operation of the gifts, about the baptism of of the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to give you a choice or an opportunity to choose to respond however you believe the Lord is leading you to respond. You know, I've kind of learned through the years of my own relationship with God that, that I don't know if people necessarily reject the, the person of the Holy Spirit as much as they reject the way that we have packaged the Holy Spirit through the years. And so we're going to be jumping in today. We're going to be looking at um, today the baptism of the Holy Spirit And we can't really understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit until we understand this word baptism. Now, this word baptism isn't isn't unique to water. It's not not just about water. It's not just about going underneath and coming up and all of that. That's part of it. But this word baptism means to be immersed in. 
It's this idea of, of, of going down under the water and back up again. In the Bible, it kind of draws this, this picture of, um, of like a white cloth that gets dipped into dye, right? And it comes up a different color. It goes in one color and it comes out a different color, totally transformed. And what, what many people don't realize is that God desires really three baptisms in our life that there are these three baptisms, these three experiences that he wants us to have, separate experiences along our transformational journey. And I wanna share those with you today. The first one, if you're taking notes, is to be baptized into the body of Christ, to be fully immersed into Jesus and the body of Christ. Now, when I think of salvation, I think like in our culture today, it's really began to shift into raise your hand, say a prayer, that it's moved away from this idea of this total immersion into Jesus and, um, and his body and his church. And, and it's kind of like, and they kind of go together, right? This is that salvation moment, and they kind of go together. Like, like if, I've got a, a, if I've got a buddy friend that's married, um, and he and I are buddies, like we're, we're cool, but I can't stand his wife. How do you think that relationship's gonna go? <laughs> it's not gonna go that well. And so this, this, this baptism into the body of Christ, into Jesus, our personal relationship with him is also a baptism into the body of Christ, into his bride, into his church. And you look at scripture and you look even at Acts and you look at the kind of commitment and the dedication that these followers of Christ had. And I know this is going to get a little heavy. And uh, we had a guy at one, at one of our churches before that anytime my father-in-law uh, would speak kind of heavy and, and, and he'd say, you stepped on my feet last week, he'd come to church with band-aids on his toes. That was just kind of his way. And so this, there might be a couple things a little heavy today, but, but think about how far we've drifted. Right, a total immersion in Jesus, a total immersion in the body of Christ. What that looks like for us is that we kind of, you know, we kind of come to church every once in a while if we feel like it. If we're not too busy, um, it's just a different kind of um, immersion that we see in our world today. It's more of of like, um, it's more of like kind of we identify, but we don't commit our life to. Does that make sense? And so we see in, in Acts, we see this total immersion, this commitment. And we see this in Galatians chapter uh, 3, verse 26 through 27. It says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God, what? Through faith, right? So that's how we receive this baptism, this immersion in Jesus in the body of Christ through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, that you have clothed yourselves with Christ. Notice here that it's way more than just raising a hand. It's way more than sporadic, like church attendance. It's, it's this clothing. It's this, this idea of baptism. Like, like when we accept Christ, I enter into that relationship as a full-blown sinner, <laughs> 
right? And there is this immersion in Christ where I come back up with, with, with new clothes. I come back, I, all I offer in this relationship is sin. And everything that Jesus offers in this relationship is forgiveness. Like I am immersed in him, that my total life is surrendered to him and I can walk out and live my life forgiven because I know that, that he loves me that he's not gonna forsake me, that it's not about me, that it's about him. It, it kind of makes me, um, um, I don't know if you've ever watched the, uh, the Hollywood stuff with the red carpet events, right? Like, like you recognize that what we wear, um, it says something about us. And you watch these red carpet events and, and the actors come walking in and they're all decked out in their clothes. And what's the question that most of the reporters ask the actors or the actresses when they're on the red carpet coming in. They're like, what, what you wearing? What you wearing, right? I'm wearing Ralph Lauren. Like, I'm wearing Amazon Prime Selects. Like, <laughs> that's what this jacket is. <laughs> what are you wearing? <laughs> and I think that's a question that we should really ask about ourselves and our, and our faith in Christ, that when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, like, like it's, not, it's not raising a hand, it's not praying a prayer, and then going right back out, living our life the way that we've always lived it. That in this immersion kind of relationship with Jesus, that we go into that one way and we come out a completely different way. My question to you related to the first baptism is, what are you wearing? Like when you walk out these doors today, what are you wearing? Do people know that you're a follower of Christ? Do people recognize the fruit of the spirit in your life? Are you living your life on mission for what God wants? Is, is it about building his kingdom or is it about building your kingdom? Like, like what does that immersion look like in your life? What, what are you wearing? The second baptism that, that we see in scripture is the the baptism in, in water, this is water baptism, the, the immersion where, where um, the old life goes down under the water and it's symbolic of, of coming, being raised back up, the water washing away the sins of our past and coming back up a completely new person in Christ. What, what I love about this baptism is it is a separate experience. That it's not tied, it's not connected to the first baptism of salvation. And I think the reason why God designed it to be a separate experience is because he didn't want us thinking that there was anything that we could do, right? Nothing that we could do to earn salvation in Christ. Like he wanted to make sure that that was separated, that, that salvation in Christ is a free gift that there's nothing that we can do to earn it. It's only, only can be received. And I think that some of you, like some of you have been followers of Christ and you haven't taken that step to be water baptized. I know they're gonna put some information on the screen. Next week, we're having a water baptism. And I would encourage you that maybe it's been a long time. Maybe your life, a lot about your life and your relationship with God has changed through the years. And maybe it's, it's time for you to kind of make that new commitment and to take that step of faith because it's been 30 years and your relationship with God is totally different now than it was before. 
Or maybe you come from a background where, where you weren't the one that made the choice to be water baptized. It was your parents that made the choice. That that's a personal decision. That it is one that after you made a decision to accept Christ, that you walk this out, this baptism out. We see in scripture that uh, 27 different times in the New Testament that, that people got saved and then they were water baptized. Even Jesus commanded us to, to, to make that a point, uh, an important point that we move people towards this experience of baptism. In Matthew 28, 19, it says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Doing what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the reason why Jesus tells us to do this is because Receiving salvation is a private decision. It is a decision that we make between us and God. But water baptism needs our, 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 our response to God, our salvation, our relationship with him needs to go public. And that's where water baptism comes into play. Um, I heard it explained this way and I love it. Explain water baptism much like a wedding ring. That... It's not the wedding ring that makes you married, right? It's the covenant that you make with your spouse that makes you married. The wedding ring is a symbol. It is, it is a sign uh, to every woman in this place that this is taken, right? Um, <laughs> you're like, trust me, Ryan, we don't want that anyway. <laughs> it is a symbol, it's a sign that a commitment has been made. That there is a relationship that is there. And I love that parallel as it relates to water baptism. That, that it, is the, it is the ring of our, our spiritual walk. That it is us um, showing the world and showing the people around us that, that we are his and he is ours. And that we have devoted our life to be committed, to be passionate, to, to serve and to love. That, that our life is dedicated in that way. And, and the reason why it's important for us to take that step is because Jesus tells us in Matthew 10, 32, and this is going to be heavy, and 33, that whoever acknowledges me before others, that I'm also going to acknowledge them before my Father in heaven. That sounds good, right? <laughs> but then the next part, but whoever disowns me, like, like whoever, like, like, um, it's cool with people like, like knowing that I'm a follower here, but nobody at work, like none of my friends, like it's not changed the way that I live my life. Like, like it's a Sunday kind of faith. Like Jesus is, is, is like whoever disowns me before others that I will disown before my father in heaven. Like there's a, a part of the relationship that, that Jesus desires and notice, notice how far we've drifted again from those original believers that it is, that Jesus I think recognizes that the temptation that we're gonna have to, to pray a prayer and to, to wanna receive all the benefits that he has but to then go on living our life however we wanna live, building our little kingdom instead of his big kingdom. There is a second experience, a second baptism, and we would love to be able to celebrate that step with you 
next week if that's something that you want to do. The third one that we see is the baptism or the immersion in the Holy Spirit. That it's a baptism, remember the word immersion. It is going down one way and coming up another way. And we see this in scripture. Look with me in Acts chapter eight. In verse five, it says, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and and proclaimed the, the Messiah is there. And in verse 12, it says, but when they believed, right, the first baptism, Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, that they were then baptized, the second baptism, both men and women. In verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, look at this, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. Notice here that there's had to be time separated between the two and that now they're sending reinforcements in, right? And so they send in Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, look at this, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit, the third baptism. In verse 16, it says, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then in verse 17, then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. You may be wondering like, like why another experience? Like why another, why a third experience that God would desire us to have. And I think one of the reasons is that, that God definitely doesn't want to mix our, our free gift of salvation with these other two experiences that honestly require a little bit of work and a little bit of pursuit. I mean, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, water baptism isn't connected to that salvation. Like the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't connected to that um, that experience to your salvation, but they do, you know, that water baptism takes a private relationship, a private decision and takes it public. This purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to really empower us to do what God has called us to do here on earth. I've heard this said before and it made a lot of sense to me after I read it like three times. <laughs> That salvation may be free, but it's going to cost you everything. That yes, salvation may be free, but God really desired that it would cost us everything. That as we receive this free gift from him, that we would then dedicate our lives to a committed, passionate relationship with him where we were so just beyond overwhelmed and amazed at his forgiveness in our lives that we would want to devote our lives so that hundreds and thousands of other people could experience the same thing. You know, I've learned that the work that God has for us to do and, and he has work for all of us to do, like every single one of you 
that are here today, no matter where you think your life is, no matter how far away you feel like you're from God or how close you are to God, that God has a work for you to do. But the work that he has called us to do requires a supernatural power to pull it off. Think of this. Think of the Think of Peter and think of a man who didn't have enough courage to say, yes, he knew Jesus, denied three times, and 50 days later is preaching to 3,000 people. What happened between those two events? (laughs) The upper room happened. The baptism of the Holy Spirit happened. That there is a third experience, immersion, that God desires for all of us to experience in our lives. It is empowerment to do what only he can do through us. I stand before you only able to do what God has called me to do, not because there is some gifting in me, not because I'm talented in some certain way, not because I'm the best at this or best at that, or even that I love to get in front of people and talk. I stand before you because I have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I have allowed his power to work through me in my life to accomplish his will. And friend, he wants to do that in all of our lives. And so how do we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I want to give you four quick, quick kind of steps, things that I kind of learned along my journey in my life. The first one is that we got to remove the hindrances. And if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life, you've got to remove the hindrances. And what I've learned is that the more hindrances that we have in our life, the less of God's power we experience in our life. As we build up these things, these hindrances in our lives, that it hinders what God wants to do in our lives. And in my own journey with the Lord, when I gave my heart to the Lord in 1997 and I began to pursue this next experience in my life, it took me a while. And the reason why it took me a while is because I had this I had this problem (laughs) and it begins with the letter C. It's the word control. Anybody? (laughs) I was cool with all God had for me as long as I could call the shots. I was cool with even a little bit of the Holy Spirit, but and like, I'll take this part of you and I'll leave those parts to the side. Like I had this issue (laughs) With control, And I think that's why it took me over a year of pursuing the baptism of the Holy Spirit in my own life is because I had to go on this, on this journey with the Lord where, where I began to pursue, where I began to push away the things that I wanted to control, where I began to tear down the, the perceptions of what I saw around me and what I thought that it should look like or what I was fearful of, of what it would 
look like and, and that I had to go into this journey in my relationship with God where I began to push that stuff aside and I got to the point where I said, Father, I want all that you have for me. That everything that you have for me, I believe is good and for my benefit. And even if it causes me to to live and to operate in areas of uncomfortableness, that I trust you. And I don't know what the hindrances may be in your life. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe it's control. Maybe to you it's theological. Like, like for you, you've got to have all the answers to all your questions before you'll ever take a step. And friend, listen, that ain't ever going to happen. Like at some point along the faith journey, you've got to take a step of faith. Like if you're looking to serve a God that, that, that you can find all the answers to, that's not the kind of God I'm interested in. Like the God that we serve is one that is beyond our ability to understand. The second thing that I discovered in my journey is that I had to accept him completely. There wasn't just kind of like, I'll take a few parts of the Holy Spirit and not these, but I had to accept all of the Holy Spirit in my life. The third one is that I had to be willing to take a leap. And friend, I don't necessarily like this part about God. I don't. I don't like the part about God that requires us to, to take a step into the unknown, but, but it is what it is. That's the way that God has set up his kingdom. And I've learned in my journey of following the Lord 25 years that, that every good thing that he has for me, every bit of the promise that he has for me, every bit of the call of God that he has on my life, that it all requires a step of faith. That it all requires a leap for me to be able to experience it. And friend, if we're unwilling to take those kind of leaps in our faith, then our faith will always be marked by what is natural, not what is supernatural. And then the fourth thing that I learned is that the Holy Spirit wants us to spend time to have a relationship with him. That he's not some magic wand that kind of poofs us over the head and then all of a sudden we just go on doing life our way but with some supernatural power. That it is this relationship, this journey that he takes us on that, that he, he causes us to go through this process of revealing things in our own life that are not of him. And as we begin to yield to that, and as we begin to allow him to, to conform us into not our image, not Hollywood's image, but his image, that as we engage in that and lean into that, that he begins to transform our relationship with him. And the more of us that becomes more like Christ, the more of Holy Spirit's power begins to operate in our lives. I want to close with this prophecy out of the Old Testament because I think it's so fitting for us as we wrap up this series 
on the Holy Spirit. It's found in Ezekiel chapter 47. And in verse 3, it says that as the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, that he, that he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through the water that was ankle deep. And my guess is, is that there's some that are in this room today or you're watching online and, and that's your relationship with God. That it's ankle deep. Now, friend, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, like ankle deep is all you need. But friend, there is so much more. And that's why we as a church, that's why we're all about transformation because God didn't intend us to pray a prayer and to stay the same way the rest of our lives, but he desires us to be transformed in his image, to live a life that is empowered, making a difference in the lives of others. He goes on in verse four that he measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. And some of you, that's you. You come to church. For some of you, I, I bet it happened today that you come to church and, and you love God, but you're like, yeah, all, all that worship stuff and the, <laughs> and the singing and the moving around and all that. I don't know about all that. I don't know all about that kind of stuff, Ryan, but I saw you today just like, you started slipping them up a little bit and they came down, but it's just that it's that knee deep. And then we see he measured off another thousand and led me through the water that was up to my waist. And notice the last three, ankle, knee, and waist. Notice that we're wet, but we're still in control. We may have some water around us, but, but our feet are still anchored in the ground. And friend, I don't know if you're ankle deep. I don't know if you're knee deep. I don't know if you're waist deep, but I know this, that God is inviting us into more than that. He says in verse five that he measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. Church, he goes on to say in this passage that, that there is an area as the water moves where the salty becomes fresh. And it's in that area that it's full of life. And it reminds me of what Jesus said in John 15, that he talked about this kind of all-in living and then towards the end of it, he said, the reason why we should live that way, he said, so that your joy may be complete. Friend, there's a part of God There's experiences that God has for you and I that's beyond a raised hand, beyond a prayer.
but it's an experience where we receive a supernatural power so that we can do the things that he's called us to do. And it's my prayer as your pastor that you would lean into that and that you would embrace that in your life. That I've looked over the 25 years that I've followed Christ and I've seen the progression and the journey that he's taken me on and I see where he has stretched me, where he's carved me, where he's seen some things that were not of him and he's chipped them away. But I've seen the heart of God in my own life that he didn't want me to stay the same that I was in 1997, that he had more for me than just a prayer and going about living life my own way, that he had a calling, that he had a purpose, that he saw potential in things in me that I couldn't see in myself, seeds of potential that, that, that he deposited in me the moment that I was born, when he created me in my mother's womb. And that as I lean into him and I allow myself to go through seasons of difficulty that begin to crack the shell of the seed, and as I allow the, the water of the Holy Spirit to just water my soul and my spirit, I begin to see those things begin to take root and to begin to grow. And God has that desire and plan for each and every one of our lives. The choice is, do you want it? as bad as he wants to give it. Do you want it as bad as he wants to give it? No eye has seen, no ear has heard what's on the heart of God for you, your life, your family's life. Would you bow your head with me? Father, we thank you for God, your presence in our lives. We thank you. Father, we have assurance in knowing, Lord, that when we give our heart to you, when we accept you as our Lord and Savior, that God, we are forgiven, that we are a new person, and that Father, we will spend all of eternity with you. But Lord, help us see, God, that you desire so much more for us than just that. And God, help us see that, Lord, anything that you desire for our lives that's for our good and for our benefit, that, Father, Satan is going to come against us because, really, his job description is to steal, kill, and destroy, to try to take from us everything that you have for us. So, Lord, give us the courage whether it's today or whether it's the weeks to come as we walk out our journey with you, give us the courage to recognize what the enemy is doing and to be receivers of all that you have for us. In Jesus' name.
Amen. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.